You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Symbolically, Absalom is stating to the nation, my father can no longer protect that which is nearest to him. He's powerless to stop him. So do you see this plan unfolding here? And so the confidence of the men in Absalom's army is now strengthened. And they know now nothing can restore Absalom to his father's favor. What Absalom was about to do was inexcusable. Greed, lust, murder, hunger for power. These are but a few of the contributing sins to the absolute disaster of King David's household, not long after he had his affair with Bathsheba. If you read your Old Testament regularly, chances are you're familiar with this account. In today's message, Pastor Mike reflects on the nefarious plot to overthrow the throne of King David In his study, you'll learn that while the sins committed against David were indeed evil, no plot is powerful enough to overthrow God's anointed. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 16, as he begins his message, The Greatness of God. So we're in 2 Samuel, and we're going to begin where we left off last time, and that would be in chapter 16, in verse 15, and then we're going to also move on into part of chapter 17. So we're going to cover a lot of ground, and so let's get right to it. This message, by the way, the title is The Greatness of God. And I'm referring to the greatness of God, I'm referring to the greatness of God's love towards us the greatness of God's concern for us, the greatness of God's provision for us, and the greatness of God's protection for us. So that's what, so please keep that in mind as we go through these chapters, because that's what it's all about. It's all about learning something about the character of God, who God is, and our relationship with him. Well, anyway, let's again pick up where we left off last time. We're in 2 Samuel chapter 16, and let's begin by reading verse 15. Meanwhile, Absalom, that was David's son, and all the people, the men of Israel, came to Jerusalem, and Ahithophel was with them. Now remember, we've talked about this last time, Ahithophel was a one-time friend and advisor of King David. And so let me set up this Bible study for you, particularly for those who weren't with us over the last couple of weeks, but for those of you who were, remember, David and his followers are now fleeing the city of Jerusalem. 
They have no sooner disappeared down the eastern side of the Mount of Olives than Absalom, David's son, rides into the city with Ahithophel at his side. A few minutes earlier, there would have been a confrontation, and the people have lined the streets all the way to the palace, approvingly cheering as Absalom passes by. And all of this may have caused Absalom to feel some inward exoneration for what he has done to his father David. Remember, Absalom is seeking to unseat David as king, taking his crown. And so Absalom, ever since his return from exile, and remember he had been in exile because of his killing his half-brother Amnon, who actually raped Absalom's sister Tamar. Remember, David had multiple uh, wives. So he had been thinking about this moment. And so Absalom now enters the throne room, takes his seat where his father David had so often sat, and now he is about to hold court when all of a sudden, notice in verse 16 we read, and so it was when Hushai, the archite, David's friend, came to Absalom that Hushai said to Absalom, long live the king, long live the king. Now this fellow Hushai, who we were introduced to in one of our previous studies, was one of David's confidants. He was a friend. He was an insider. He was also one of David's spies. He had removed the dust from his head, and he put on fresh clothing. Remember, that's the way that we were first introduced to him back in chapter 15 in verse 32. Remember, as David is fleeing the city of Jerusalem, because Absalom is not only looking to unseat David as the king, but he's also looking to take his father David's life, when all of a sudden, as they are fleeing from the city, this fellow Hushai appears upon the scene and wants to follow David along with his company that were fleeing. But David thought that it would be best for him to go back into the city of Jerusalem and serve as his insider, actually as his spy. And so anyway, that was the first time that we were introduced to this fellow, uh, Hushai. But notice here, with great sincerity, this fellow Hushai declares, long live the king, long live the king. Now, when you consider that this was David's friend, you would might think that this would be odd and out of character. Remember, once again, he's David's insider now and he is loyal uh, to him. Well, these are, there are two ways of taking Hushai's a greeting. Really, all that he is saying is that he is loyal to the king, and by the way, the king, who he acknowledges as king, was David and David alone, and he is also interested in doing what is best for Absalom, the son of his friend David. But notice Absalom is a little skeptical here, and he wants to put him to the test. He knows that he could be useful. Because this fellow Hushai is also a confidant and was an advisor of David. So Absalom thinks, well, you know, what he did for my father, you know, maybe he'll also do for me. And thus we read in verse 17. Let's go back to our text. So Absalom said to Hushai, is this your loyalty to your friend, David? Why did you not go with your friend? As David was fleeing the city of Jerusalem. 
Well, notice Hushai's reply, verses 18 and 19. And Hushai said to Absalom, No, but whom the Lord and his people and all the men of Israel choose, and remember they had already chosen David as their king, his I will be, and with him I will remain. Furthermore, whom should I serve? Should I not serve in the presence of his son? As I have served in your father's presence, so will I be in your presence. So that was Hushai's reply. And his response to Absalom's question is masterful. First of all, notice he expresses a strong denial of any disloyalty and then the avowal of his intent to serve Absalom, to seek his good. But notice also in his response, he declares his first duty is to the Lord and to the one whom the Lord has set up over the people as king. And who was that person? Who was the person that God had chosen to be king over Israel? So it was David. So don't be confused about that. Well, anyway, Absalom is intoxicated by all of the adulation of the crowd. Remember, they had lined the streets welcoming Absalom back into the city of Jerusalem. They're cheering and and approving of what was going on. So Absalom, at this point, is intoxicated by the adulation of the crowd and all that has happened. He's blinded by his own imagined importance here, and he hears only what he wants to hear. Now, John Dryden, I don't know if you're familiar with that name or not, he was England's first elected poet laureate in 1668, and what he had to say, I think, applies appropriately to Absalom. And so I want to quote him. What cannot praise affect in mighty minds when flattery soothes and when ambition blinds. And this is exactly what was going on with Absalom. Desire of power, unearth a vicious weed, yet sprung from high is of celestial seed. In God tis glory, and when men aspire, tis but a spark too much of heavenly fire. The ambitious youth to covetous of fame too full of angels' metal in his frame. Unwarily was led from virtue's ways, made drunk with honor and debauched with praise. And listen, I think that this appropriately fits as it relates to Absalom. So anyway, Absalom decides to wait to see if Hushai's allegiance is reliable. And he will do so in just a moment by pitting Hushai against Ahithophel, these two counselors, these two men that are filled with wisdom. Now, in holding court, Absalom turns to Ahithophel for that counsel. Okay, let's pick up now in verses 20 through 22. Then Absalom said to Ahithophel, give advice as to what we should do. And Ahithophel said to Absalom, go into your father's concubines. In fact, in chapter 15 and verse 16, we are told that David, not only did he have multiple wives, but he also had ten concubines. I want you to understand that not only did David love his wives, he took his wives along with him, with their children, when he was fleeing the city of Jerusalem, but he kept these ten concubines back to care for his home there in the city of Jerusalem, to take care of the affairs of the home. 
So anyway, there were 10 in all. So anyway, this was the council. Ahithophel said to Absalom, go into your father's concubines, in other words, have sexual relationships uh, with them, intercourse with them, whom he has left to keep the house, and all Israel will hear that you are abhorred by your father. Then the hands of all who are with you will be strong. I'll, I'll explain all of what's going on here in a moment. So they pitched a tent for Absalom on the top of the house, and Absalom went into his father's concubines in the sight of all of Israel. Okay, so what in the world is this all about? Well, Ahithophel knows the concern of the men that are now under Absalom's command. They fear if David is able to turn the tide and repel their takeover, Absalom would plead for peace because of his son, his love for his son. Nevertheless, you know, David continued to love his son Absalom. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, here's the son that's looking to kill his father, to unseat him as king, to take his, his crown. But nevertheless, David continued to love his son Absalom. Well, anyway, this whole thing, Ahithophel knows the concern of the men that are now under Absalom's command. They fear if David is able to turn the tide and repel their takeover, Absalom would plead for peace, that David would grant it, he would be pardoned and sent into exile. But you see, the men that were following Absalom, they didn't expect David to be that lenient with them. And so there's this fear among the people that are following Absalom. Therefore, they wanted to make sure that Absalom's breach with David was absolutely impossible to mend. Now, once again... Notice Ahithophel's counsel to accomplish this. Let's go back to our text and read verse 21 one more time. And Ahithophel said to Absalom, this is his counsel, go into your father's concubines, whom he has left to keep the house, and all Israel will hear that you are abhorred by your father, then the hands of all who are with you will be strong. You know, I guess I should mention, you know, at one time Ahithophel was a very close friend of David's. Not only was he a close friend, but also a counselor to uh, David. So how, why in the world did Ahithophel uh, seek to turn upon David? And that's a, a legitimate question to ask. Why did he betray David at this moment in time? Well, I don't know if you knew this or not. Here's a little bit of trivia. But I want you to know that Ahithophel was actually Bathsheba's grandfather. I don't know if you knew that or not. And remember what had taken place, what had expired in one of our previous studies, we were told, as the men of Israel were going out during that time of the year in war, David was left in the palace, and on one uh, day, he was on the top of the palace wall, and in the distance, he saw this woman who was bathing naked on the top of her roof, whose name was Bathsheba. And so he sent for the woman. David had a sexual relationship uh, with her. She became pregnant. The problem with Bathsheba, she was married to a fellow whose name was Uriah, who was one of David's uh, men of war and who happened to be engaged in a, a conflict at that present time. 
And uh, one thing led to another. And David, trying to cover his tracks and what he had done, he had taken another man's wife, he had committed adultery with her, wound up through a series of situations, put Uriah to death. And obviously, this enraged Ahithophel, who once again was Bathsheba's grandfather. And I think that was the very thing that turned Ahithophel against uh, David. So just in case you were wondering, you know, why at one time Ahithophel was a close friend of David's, a confidant, an advisor. In fact, we were told in one of the other portions of Scripture that often they would go to the tabernacle together to worship the Lord. And uh, so that was probably the reason why Ahithophel had turned against David. Well, anyway, so this is designed then to destroy any hope for reconciliation between father and son. The plan is diabolical. Incestuous relationships between a son and his father's wives was abhorred. It was against the teaching of the scriptures. For example, in both the book of Leviticus as well as the book of Deuteronomy, we were told that a man shall not take his father's wife or uncover his father's bed. And so anyway, Ahithophel's counsel is designed to humiliate David in the eyes of the people, but it must also be justifiable according to the law. Now, Ahithophel knew of God's word that was given to David by the prophet Nathan. Because of David's sin, committing adultery with this woman Bathsheba, remember Nathan the prophet came back and David was busted, and then through the prophet Nathan, God pronounced judgment upon David. And what was that judgment? Well, let's quickly go back to chapter 12 and verse 11, and let's rehearse that portion of scripture uh, once again. It's recorded for us in chapter 12 and verse 11, so if you quickly turn there with me. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house. And so that's exactly what's happened. It's sort of like a prophecy being fulfilled here. And I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. And he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the son, openly and publicly. So again, Ahithophel knew of God's word to David, given through the prophet Nathan, his intended punishment for his folly. Really then, what is going on here is seen as just fulfilling what had been declared by the Lord earlier. So that justified Ahithophel's counsel to Absalom. Therefore, Absalom would be exonerated from the charge of incest. He is just fulfilling God's will. So you see, this is a perfect plan as far as Ahithophel and Absalom is concerned. Well, the plan then is set in motion. Notice there in verse 22, let's go back to our text. So they pitched a tent for Absalom on the top of the house in public so that everyone would be aware of what was going on. And Absalom went into his father's concubines in the sight of of all Israel. Giving no thought to the feelings of these women, they're treated as things to be used to further his plans. And symbolically, Absalom is stating to the nation 
my father can no longer protect that which is nearest to him. He's powerless to stop him. So do you see this plan unfolding here? And so the confidence of the men in Absalom's army is now strengthened. And they know now nothing can restore Absalom to his father's favor. What Absalom was about to do was inexcusable. Well, Ahithophel's counsel is quite remarkable. In one quick swoop, he accomplishes all goals. Ruthless efficiency. No wonder we are told in verse 23, let's go back to our text. Now the advice of Ahithophel, which he gave in those days, was as if one had inquired at the oracle of God. And that's just another way of saying the word of God. And remember, how did they inquire? How did they discern the word of God? Back then they would use the Urim and the uh, Thummim. So the advice of Ahithophel, which he gave in those days, was as if one had inquired at the oracle of God, and so was the advice of Ahithophel, both with David and with Absalom. So, ruthless efficiency. Now, Ahithophel knows the success of Absalom's rebellion depends on the strategy he adopts in the first few hours of his reign. He knows that Absalom must quickly move while he has the momentum. So let's go on now. Chapter 17, verses 1 through 3. He further counsels Absalom. Moreover, Ahithophel said to Absalom, Now let me choose 12,000 men, and I will arise and pursue David tonight. I will come upon him while he is weary and weak, and make him afraid. And all the people who are with him, all those who fled the city with him, will flee, and I will strike only the king. Then I will bring back all the people to you, when all return except the man whom you seek, David, and all the people will be at peace. Okay, so Ahithophel's intention is to overtake David while he is weary and in a vulnerable position, suggesting there would be no difficulty seizing and killing the old king. And with his death, all opposition will collapse. The entire nation will submit to Absalom's rule. So that was his thinking. Now let's go on, verse 4. There we read, And the same pleased Absalom and all the elders of Israel. Now that goes to show you and gives us an idea of how far-reaching was the defection of David. Because notice also we are told that the elders of Israel were also on board with this plan. In my father's house, there's a place for me. In my father's house, where I long to be. In the book of 2 Samuel, the king God anointed is finally on the throne. King David, the man after God's heart, is in the place God planned for him. Yet David is still human. And as you continue to study this book with Pastor Mike, you'll see that fact time and time again. David falls to the temptation of sin and reaps the consequences of his actions. 
but he does do one thing consistently. David repents when confronted and returns to the Lord. What an example of faithfulness and mercy. God forgives his chosen leader and restores the relationship that sin had broken. This same God is merciful to you, too, and his forgiveness is just as real when you come to him in repentance. Thanks for listening today to In My Father's House. You can explore more of these messages by searching for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio on your favorite podcast platform. And be sure to subscribe. If you're looking for a place in Midtown Manhattan to come together with others and worship Jesus, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday for worship at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You'll find directions and service times at harvestnyc.org. If this broadcast is an encouragement to you, would you consider supporting us? If you feel led, we're thankful for any financial support. In fact, you can donate securely on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. Thanks for partnering with us in this way. That's all for today. Tune in next time for more on In My Father's House.